Good morning. Let's open in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, you call for us to come together, to come together to learn more about you, to learn how you work in each of our lives, and as we, as each one of us, you know that each one of us needs it. Lord, there is nothing too great for you to, to help us with, to show us the way on. So, Lord, may we take the lessons we learn and put them into our lives and follow them the way you want us to. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Let's worship our Lord. Great assurance. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Disregard your feelings when you come to Christ. You are not saved by your feelings. You are saved by Jesus Christ. Feelings come and go, but Christ remains the same. Only the facts matter. The fact that Jesus died for your sins and rose again. The fact is that you've committed your life to him. He promised to forgive you and to save you. The Bible says, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. That promise of God to you is that he cannot lie. Your feelings uh, will lie to you, just as Satan will lie to you and use those lies to convince you that God has abandoned you or that you have lost your salvation. But remember, there is no truth in Satan. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. How wonderful to know our faith is based on God's truth and not our feelings. The hope for today? The enemy will attempt to make it complicated, but it's actually very simple. Satan is incapable of telling the truth, and God is unable to lie. In times of doubt, you only need to know what God says on the matter. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> Good morning. How majestic is your name?
Testament scripture today comes from Psalms 25, verses 1 through 9. O Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who tried to deceive others. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. I lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are my God who saves me. All the day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love. For you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. And if those of you would like to stand to say our Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our... <coughs> 
as we forgive but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. 
Though he was not God, he did not think of equality, or though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. We have a responsive reading. Father, be with the leaders of your flock in their needs today. Help them to interpret the gospel message clarity and urgency, witnessing in their own lives to the teaching and example of Christ. Fortify and encourage those among them who are fearful and confused. Be truly a father to those who have fallen away. Send your Holy Spirit in a new outpouring so that under these leaders chosen by you, the entire people of God may progress in a harmonious cooperation towards their final consumption, truth and love, by and with you, your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you call for us. We know that all belongs to you. You call for us to give back, to share with others from, the, from the, all that you have done for us, Lord. Let us always give openly, freely, and without any, without any expectations, except, Lord, to know that we are serving you. Lord, we ask that the, the gifts that are given today be used to further your kingdom and help others who may not know you today. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you know, I remember way back, oh, a whole bunch of years ago now, I first became a believer, and there was a real move, uh, prayer movement um, with Second Chronicles 7.14 and... Uh, you know, this, the same kind of prayer movement. And uh, uh, so I'm really excited to see that beginning to take, take uh, shape again. And, um, you know, in that, um, they often quoted the Second Chronicles 7.14, and, and it goes, if my people who are called by my name, and then it says, will humble themselves. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about that process of humility um, and what that means. Because that really, you know, if we are going to see healing in our land, it is going to come through uh, 
us as God's people humbling ourselves before him. That's the first step. It's not the whole thing. Then they pray and, and uh, so on. But the first step is humility. So our text is Colossians 3, 12 through 14, which we've been on for quite a while now. Um, in fact, we're going to cover one word today. And there are about 184,600 words in the New Testament. So at this, this rate, we'll cover the New Testament in about 5,127 years. <laughs> so we're really, we're really moving along quickly here. <laughs> I don't think any of us will be around by that time. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you for your goodness. And I thank you that your word is um, um, it's a light unto our feet. And uh, we thank you that we have your word, that you've left us with a clear testimony of who you are, your nature, your character, your plan, your salvation, your redemption, your coming again. Uh, and you've left us a clear, a, a clear pathway to walk on. And we thank you for that this morning, that we're not left without that, uh, without that clear word that shows us where to go, and not just where to go, but how to get there, Lord. And not just how to get there, but the power to be able to do it. And so we're praying today, Lord, that you will uh, put another little piece into um, that, that, um, that character that you've called us to emulate in you. Uh, we are being remade and refashioned into the image of God. And I thank you that, uh, that we can look to you and that we are being uh, refashioned, transformed into that image of God. So help us this morning as we, uh, as we study your word in Christ's name. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, and then here's the word, humility gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now I believe that next to love the most important character quality that we can, that we can have is humility. And I believe it's the gateway to a whole lot of other character qualities that God wants to, uh, that God wants to do within us. And whenever I think of humility, um, and I'm sure you do the same thing, I think of people whom I've known um, who demonstrated to me humility. And one of those people for me was a fellow named J. Christie Wilson. There he is. And uh, do you know who he is, Jerry? I don't. Okay, all right. J. Christie Wilson um, uh, grew up in Tehran, Iran, lived most of his life... Uh, with his wife, Betty, on the mission field in the Middle East. He knew 11 languages, 11 Middle Eastern languages. Um, greatly admired by all who knew him. Obviously a very busy man. Um, and um, I remember one instance where we were the, at, I went to Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary up in Boston, and we were, as a student body and faculty, we rented a, um, a boat to go out and go fishing one 
one I think was on a Saturday or something like that. And, um, and I remember everybody's gathered in this spot waiting to go, and Jay Christie Wilson walks in. And when Christie walked in, I, I just felt the incredible respect that, that not only the students, but the faculty had for this man as well. But the story I want to tell you about um, is that my wife and I lived in married student housing, and there was a couple down the hall from us, and our kids were the same age, and so we were good friends with them. And one day after about two years of being in seminary, and I was burned out, and they were burned, everybody was burned out by that time. And so they said, we're, you know, we're really burned out. We want to, um, we, we need a break. And so my wife and I are going to take a break. And we've asked uh, Christy and Betty to come and babysit our kids. And my reaction was, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I mean, here he is, this, this incredibly admired man, this, this, uh, you know, this man who just has had a tremendous influence all over the world. And you have the nerve to ask him to come and babysit your kids. And what really got to me was that they did it. <laughs> they came and babysat. Remember that instance? And came and babysat the kids for like three, four days. And... Um, and took delight in being able to serve. So that's the kind of, um, kind of man that we're talking about. That's humility. But I want to focus first on the opposite of humility, which is pride. And pride is endemic to our human nature. All of us deal with pride. Um, I know I do all, you know, all the time. I mean, I, God reveals to me, okay, you're proud about this, and you're proud about that, and, and I, I can't tell you the depths of, of uh, you know, and, of the and the times that God has worked in my life to reveal to me that I have pride and I need to uh, walk in humility. So we all, I think we all face it, unless I'm just unique in the human race, <laughs> and I don't think so. But we all deal with, uh, with pride. It was, the, it was the original sin. You remember in the Garden of Eden, uh, in Genesis 3, 5 and 6, and the, the story is that um, the sat Satan in the form of Satan came and, uh, and beguiled Eve and, and told Eve uh, this in verse 5, For God knows... That when you eat of it, that is this tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden, the tree of knowledge and evil, of, uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You, when you eat, the, eat of it, your eyes will be opened, okay, appealing to her pride. And you will be like God. Now, Adam and Eve had this incredible relationship with God um, in, in, the, in the garden. You know, I mean, it couldn't have gotten better. They had everything they needed. Uh, they had, you know, and this incredible relationship with God, but there was something in them. And, and Satan spoke to that and said, you will be like God. Okay? You had everything else, but, but being just like God. And so he appeals to that in her, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. All right? Where do we get our wisdom? From God not from listening to Satan. She took some and ate it. She also gave to some to her husband, and he ate it as well. 
So Adam and Eve wanted to be like God, knowing good and evil. And Eve wanted to be wiser than she was. And so she took of the apple. And so that's the original um, sin, is this appealing to our pride. And I believe that Satan appeals to our pride all the time. I know he does with mine. Okay? Um, And pride, I believe, keeps us from the other character qualities. Uh, 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, Knowledge puffs up while love builds up. And it's knowledge, you know, just knowing a bunch of stuff that can puff us up and make us feel like we're better than other people. But it's love that builds up. The church is built by love, not by knowledge. Proverbs 16.18, Pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall. Furthermore, pride keeps us in bondage to sin. Proverbs 8.13 says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate, God says, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. But I believe the, the, the foundation of all of the other character qualities is pride. And if we have pride in our lives, we're not going to take that road to the other character qualities. Because pride says, you know, I, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good, pretty good woman. I don't, I don't need all that stuff. And, but in order to enter into, in order to have God work on those other character qualities and build those things in us, The first thing we have to admit is, I don't know it. I'm not who I should be. I remember when Jesus appeared to Peter, and Peter said, get away from me, Lord, I'm an evil man. When he looked at at Christ and saw Christ for who he was, and Christ revealed himself to him, his first reaction is, Lord, I'm an evil man. And I believe that, you know, that's who we are. We're, we're, we're evil. We're, we're, you know, we're made in the image of God. God loves us, but there's something wrong. There's something wrong on the inside of every single one of it. Proverbs 21, 24. The proud and arrogant man, mocker is his name. He behaves with overweening pride. So why is pride so destructive to our spiritual life? We talked about that a little bit. The first thing is that those who are proud will not come to the Lord in the first place. Satan keeps seeps, uh, people in your families, your friends, uh, acquaintances, and so on, keeps them from a knowledge of Christ by appealing to their pride. And they, they, you know, the, the basic reason that people don't come to Christ is they say, I have everything I need. I'm good. I don't need it. I don't need that crutch. Uh, Psalm 10.4, In his pride... The wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. And there's a lot of people out there in whom there is no room for God in them. They don't, you know, they, they, they are, they don't seek him. You know, in, in, in Matthew, Jesus says uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says uh, that we're the salt of the earth. And I've heard it said that, you know, one of the, one of the reasons for salt is that it makes us thirsty. And, and so we are the salt. We actually make people thirsty for God. 
Maybe that's part of the reason that we're here, is to, is to, you know, is, is to make people thirsty and realize that they don't have what they need. Yeah. Romans 1.18, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men, and we talked about this last week, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. And so we see many people out there, and we were like this, and we're still like this, that we have so much pride that we don't come to Christ. And I'm not just talking about, um, not talking about just that initial act of salvation, but I'm talking about through our lives, we don't come to Christ we don't, because we say, I, I, I've got it, I need it, I, I don't need anything. I'm good. Second reason that pride is so destructive to our spiritual life is that God opposes the proud. Young men, 1 Peter 5, 5, in the same way be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we don't want to be proud because we know that God has to, if God loves us, get this, if God loves us, he has to oppose the pride in our lives because that's what keeps us from him. If he loves us, God has to humble us. And I don't know about you, but I don't like that process of humbling very much. (laughs) It it hurts. But the the choice is, uh, you know, hanging on to that, hanging on to that pride, or allowing God to bring us to the place of humility. And one of the great stories in the Old Testament was the story of Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. Uh, he lived from 1124 to 1103 B.C. And so, he, but he was a great builder. Uh, not so much um, in gaining territory, but building lots of things. And so he built the, the great tower, or the great uh, gardens of Babylon. Twelve months later, he's walking on his roof, on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon, and Babylon is on, was on the Euphrates River, which is modern-day Syria and Iraq, and he said, Is this not the great Babylon I built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Well, God wasn't about to let that <laughs> go by. The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. And that's just exactly what happened for Nebuchadnezzar. Seven years, he just apparently lost his mind. And he's, he's out in the fields eating grass with the cattle. He says, I was, he was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle as body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. I mean, here he is, the great, the great king of Babylon. And now he's out eating with the cattle. Well, verse 34, this is in, found in Daniel chapter 4. It says, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, 
raised my hands toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does what as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. So Nebuchadnezzar learned the lesson, it's God, it's not him. Job learned that same lesson at the end of Job. Verse 37, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, Praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And here's the clincher. And those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. Aren't we glad of that? Because we're not going to have a close relationship with Christ if there's pride in us and to the extent that there is pride in us. I mean, I, I, I couldn't, shouldn't say um, it's to the extent that there's pride in us. Because all of us still have pride. And it's not that we can't ever have a relationship with Christ until all that pride is gone. But in, to, in the in proportion that we have pride within us, we're going to keep away from God because we can't approach God without humility. That's the first stepping stone to a relationship with God. Furthermore, those who are proud are stunted in their spiritual growth. We can't be a disciple of Jesus Christ with pride and self-sufficiency. God has to deal with it. So let's look at just a few evidences of pride in our life. Pride aims at positions of status and wealth, but humility looks at positions of influence and responsibility. Pride looks at authority, but humility looks at responsibility before God. The proud person wants to be blessed, but the truly humble person wants others to be blessed. Pride leads to envy and jealousy and comparing ourselves with each other. But of course, humility accepts who we are and whom God has made us. Here's some other evidences of pride. I have a stronger desire to do my will than God's will. I rely on my own strength rather than God's. Uh, too often I think my ideas are better than others. I want to control others rather than develop self-control. I consider myself more important than others. We just read uh, in, in Philippians 2, uh, you know, the humility that we consider others better than ourselves. I'm often a people pleaser instead of a God pleaser. I'm overly concerned about getting the credit I deserve. I often think I am more humble than others. You think, I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. We think we're more humble than others. <laughs> You're pride, but not me. You're proud, but I'm not, not me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a humble servant. I often believe I'm smarter, more talented than other people. And I often feel my needs are more important than the needs of others. So, you know, as I said, I believe that we all deal with pride. We're going to deal with pride until we leave this earth. But... I believe that we can, we can adopt an attitude of seeking after humility and asking God to deal with our, deal with our pride and, and give us humility. And the thing that amazes me is that in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, 
says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, Jesus was the creator of the universe. He's the one who sustains the universe. He is exalted above all, all humanity. I, I mean, you know, he, he set this whole universe, everything that is, into motion, and he's humble. I just, every time I think of that, it just, it does something in me. If, if God is humble, then why shouldn't I be humble? I mean, why should I be all lifted up with pride? What a wonderful person I am when the king of the universe, the one who is going to rule everything, is, is in, and it, it's not just saying, you know, casually God might be humble, but that was his very character and nature is that God is humble. And God can relate to humble people. And he cares for the outcasts and, the, and, and those who are down and out because he is humble in and himself. And he could have, you know, he could have come when he came to this earth, he could have come with great fanfare and in a great position and so on, but he came born in a, in a stable. And he, he was just nothing on this earth. When he died, they, 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 uh, they cast lots for his only piece of clothing, his robe. Uh, that's all he owned. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable. That God is humble. Furthermore, Moses was humble. Numbers 12.3. Now Moses was a very humble man. Wow. Moses, a humble man? More humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. So of all the people who looked over the whole earth, Moses was more humble than any of them, and yet Moses was one of the greatest leaders that we've ever seen. Let all those children of Israel... Uh, Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. So humility wants to exalt Christ and not ourselves. That's what humility is. In the Essentials of Prayer, Ian e. Bounds wrote this, to be humble is to be modest, lowly, with a disposition to seek obscurity. Humility retires itself from the public gaze. It does not seek publicity, nor hunt for high places, neither does it care for prominence. Humility is retiring in its nature. It never exalts itself in the eyes of others, nor even in the eyes of itself. In humility, there's a total absence of pride, and it is at the very farthest distance from anything like self-conceit. Well, pastor once said, I was never of any use until I found out that God did not intend me to be a great man. Let me read that. I think of this, I think of this quote often. I was never of any use until I found out that God did not intend me to be a great man. Imitation of Christ. Uh, any of you read The Imitation of Christ? It was one of the greatest, uh, uh, it was written by Thomas A. Kempis around 1418 to 27. And it had, um, it was the most widely read Christian devotional book outside of the Bible had 745 printings by the year 1650. So, um, and it was, you know, I, I remember hearing a story of, um, you know, in, in uh, Puritan New England that they had their Bible and their copy of uh, Imitatio was called in the, in the uh, Latin. Uh, the Imitation of Christ. Anyway, it says this. 
The highest saints before God are least in their own sight. And the more glorious they are, so much the lowlier they are in themselves. Full of grace and heavenly glory. They are desirous of vain glory. They are not desirous of vain glory. Resting on God and strong in his might. They cannot be lifted up in any wise. Now we also know that there is false humility. We talked about this uh, in, in our study in Colossians 2.18. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility... So there is a false humility where we can be humble, you know, for the sake of people look at us and say, oh, isn't he a humble person? Uh, but that's not true humility. I, you know, when, when God humbles you, that's true humility. <laughs> and you can't squirm from underneath it. And I believe that humility is the door to true spiritual liberty. What God wants us to do is to so humble ourselves in realizing that we're nothing, that, and, and just take away that, that sense of we've, we've got to be exalted in the eyes of man. When God begins to take all that away from us, that is the place of genuine, true spiritual liberty because we don't care if others put us down because we're already down there. <laughs> And we no longer try to exalt ourselves or maneuver our way into places of prominence. It is freeing. Humility is the place of true, genuine freedom in Christ. And with humility comes honor, wealth, wisdom, and life. Look at this, Proverbs 11.2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. You see, wisdom... Um, when we are humble, we can receive wisdom from God. When we're pride, proud, we say, you know, I've already got it. Thanks, Lord. I'll go my own way. Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom. And humility comes before honor. I was thinking that the other day, looking at this march on Washington and how, you know, God has... Uh, those men uh, praying for the nation and just thinking about how each one of them, God has worked humility into their lives. Uh, one of those who prayed was Andrew Brunson. And, and um, you know, we know Andrew, and, and I know what he's gone through um, um, being jailed in Turkey for two years. Uh, incredible process of humility. And, and God, I'm sure, has done that in all of their lives. Proverbs 18, 12, before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Proverbs 22, 4, humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. So what we're saying is this, that the really important things of life come through the door of humility, not pride. So how do we go about then um, seeking after humility? How do we forsake pride and seek humility? And the first thing we need to do is to realize who Christ is. I'm convinced that, that we gain humility the more that we see who Jesus really is. Um, and we see him as the creator of the universe and realize his exalted position. Uh, we can't help but feel real low. I don't, I don't mean in a bad sense, but I mean just realize that, that we're really nothing in comparison to who Christ is. And we realize our own holiness. 
when we see his holiness, when we look at his exalted position at the right hand of God, we realize our own low position. When we see what the God of the universe has accomplished, we understand that anything we accomplish is a gift from him. When we see God's greatness and majesty, the only response is humble acceptance of who we are before him. We're made in the image of God. We're precious to him. We're his beloved. But we are also sinners who have been saved by grace. And so in humility, we say, yes, um, you are incredible, God. I, you know, the, the older I get, the more I realize that my, my, you know, what God has called me to do in life is to exalt Jesus Christ. That's it. Okay? Not to, as it said, to be a great man, but to exalt Christ, to put him up there. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking more of Christ. Next thing we do is we humble ourselves. Matthew 23, 12. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And then 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Now the problem is that in due time. <laughs> we humble ourselves and we're, we're sitting around going, okay, Lord, here I am. Exalt me now. <laughs> And God says, oh, in due time, you will. <laughs> but the admonition is to humble ourselves. It's amazing to me that when God says, you know, the door to humility is to humble ourselves. And, in, and maybe he's saying, humble ourselves before God humbles us. It's a whole lot easier to do it ourselves. Uh, Jesus said, take the last seat. You know, when you're invited to a, to a dinner, don't take the, to take the seat of pr- prominence, but take the last seat. And then the, the, you know, the host will come along and say, oh, you need to be up here. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. <laughs> Rather than the host come in and say, what are you doing in that seat of prominence? You know, get down here. Third, we're to serve each other. <clears throat> and... There's an incredible story of the mother of Zebedee's sons, and they come to Jesus, um, and the sons are James and John, and they knelt down to Jesus, and they said, Lord, um, you know, uh, the, the mother says this, you know, John, James and John were, <laughs> were too embarrassed to do it themselves, so they get Mama to come, and they say, Mama, we want you to go ask Jesus for the seats of prominence in your coming kingdom. And, and so she does that. And, and she says, you know, I want one of my boys on your left hand and one on your right hand. And it says, when the other two ten heard about it, they were indignant. Why? Because they wanted those two spots. <laughs> they, they, you know, they were really angry with those, with those two. And then Jesus says this, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. In other words, as a child of God, that's not where we're going. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. So how do we humble ourselves? We serve other people. The other way we do it is that we are teachable. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 19.20, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, as, 
for me, computers are, are not intuitive. I mean, I've done a lot. You know, I've had computers for a long time, and I do a lot with computers. But when I get stuck, I need to go ask a five-year-old. And that's humbling. <laughs> a grandchild or, or you know, or a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old. Uh, because it, it's intuitive to them. It's not intuitive to us. So God puts into our lives th that we, we've got to be teachable in order to advance in life. In order to understand anything, the first step is that we have to admit that we don't know anything. Fifth, we're not to be contentious and critical of others. Proverbs 13.10 says, where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Next thing is we realize our position in the Christian church. And God has put us in a body like this. And he didn't give everything to one person. Now, he's given all of us incredible gifts. And part of us maturing in the body of Christ is that we recognize the gifts in each other. And we're thankful for those gifts. And we realize, you know what, I don't have that. That's not me. I can't do that. And, and so we, we, you know, we allow others to serve so that they can exercise the gift that God has given to them. But God didn't give the whole ball of wax to us. 1 Corinthians 12 says, In fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all at one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand, hand, head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. We need each other. And that's part of the process of humility, is realizing that nobody has it all. And lastly, is to not boast. Proverbs 27 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a midday may bring. Let someone else praise you, and not your mouth, an outsider, and not your own lips. One of the uh, incredible privileges I had uh, serving in Turkey um, was I worked right at the beginning. Um, this project we called the Timothy Project uh, came out of my doctoral dissertation. And I, right away, I met a guy. Um, this is actually the team that we had that, um, that, that the four of us really kind of launched that project. And this guy, Dave Phillips, um, grew up on the mission field in Africa. He always called himself an African village boy at heart. He said, if you want to know who I am, I'm an African village boy. And he spent his whole career as a missionary. He was, um, he was head of the Canadian Baptist Church for seven years. And he went to Turkey as the director of Hassat, which is a training facility for Turkish believers. And then we met up. And, and started working together, and Dave and I worked together for 12 years. Now, usually, when you've worked with somebody for that long, you see all their, you know, you, 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 you see the pride in their lives. And I would have to say, after 12 years of working with Dave, I don't think I saw, I don't remember an instance when I saw him react in pride to something. Just an incredible man of humility, um, and incredible, uh, in fact, Probably if he heard what I'm saying, he'd be really embarrassed. But, um, but an incredible sense of humility. 
They adopted two Palestinian boys uh, who had been severely abused, and they raised them as their raised them as their own. I think they were about eleven and thirteen or something like that when they were adopted. Uh, but I never heard him boast or try to exalt himself or his accomplishments in any way. And only afterward did I find out that he'd actually been uh, in on establishing 27 different ministries in the course of his career. Uh, incredible man. Um, and he served others and worked together uh, with me in the Timothy Project. And so uh, that's, you know, fortunately God has given me some exposure and, and friendships with some really humble, talented people, and I really thank God for it. And I imagine that all of you have people whom you admire for their humility. You know, I'm sure that, that you've, you've had in your lives mentors who demonstrated this kind of humility, and my exhortation is imitate them. Am I on? Oh, yeah, I am. If you'd like to stand, sometimes alleluia. Does Tom know about the correction? I'm not sure. Okay. We'll be doing the refrain, verse 1, refrain, verse 2, refrain, and then going back to verse 1. Okay, the music was different than the words. Just follow along. You'll get it. Yeah. You'll get it. You'll get it. Don't don't worry. You nervous <laughs> yet, Tom? <laughs> Oh, let us now 
that you do not want us to have. It's important to remember both so that we can do what you want and avoid what you do not want us to do. So Lord, please, let us be humble. Let us be the servants that you wish us to be. Teach us to reach out, to share, to show the love that you have shown us. This we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.